Good evening, everyone. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. It's Necro Thursday. So how's it going, Jeff? Doing okay? Yeah, doing okay. Yeah, we were talking a little bit off air. Uh, might as well say it now. I broke my toe. That's a that's a bummer. It is, man. It sucks. Um, I'm fine. You know, it's just a you know, it's a pinky toe, and uh, there's not really much they can do for you when you break your pinky toe. It's not like you can be in a cast or anything. Or so uh, I'm dealing with that. You know, laying around a lot, resting it, but uh, it kind of sucks. Kind of bored. Do they give you any good drugs for the pain or anything like that? No, of course not. <laughs> no, you have to be dying, I think, to get that stuff now. Whereas, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they just handed it out to you if you, like, you know, had a stomach ache. <laughs> that's, well, that's probably a good thing <laughs> that they didn't uh, prescribe uh, heavy-duty painkillers, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, the uh, doctors created the uh, opiate epidemic, and and now the, they're, they're kind of course-correcting, whereas, like, I'd imagine if I went in there missing a finger, they'd be like, you know, take some Tylenol. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, how are you doing, man? You have uh, any broken limbs since I last talked to you? No, nah, everything's good, man. It's, uh, you know, it's the end of, well, we're, we're approaching the end of January, like the end of the year. Is always, I always get really depressed around the holidays. Well, in the la- last couple of years, I've been getting really depressed around the holidays and, uh, you know, everything yeah, everything slows slows down, and you know, there's nothing going on really. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, I'm pretty much by myself most of the time. And um, when we get into January, I, I, my mood picks up because I'm I'm doing stuff again. I'm busy, and things are happening. So right now, I'm kind of back into uh, you know full swing of everything. You know, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. I also find the holidays very depressing and kind of have for a long time. Not really sure why, but they've always sort of bummed me out for some reason. Yeah, you just got to make the best of it, man. You know, and I, you know, making attempts to have, uh, you know, good good holidays. But New Year's Eve is always a bummer, man. I, I don't even think I was um, awake at midnight on New Year's Eve, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I do the same thing every New Year's Eve. I watch uh, the Twilight Zone marathon that's yeah. on the Sci-Fi Channel, and uh, yeah, it's good enough for me. I'm, you know, I'm not drink. I don't drink anymore for over a year now, and uh, I always kind of consider New Year's Eve amateur hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no doubt, uh, man. Definitely. You know. Yeah, I, I never understood people who stood in the freezing cold in Times Square to watch a fucking ball drop, watch some douchebag from CNN prattles on in the microphone. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get that either. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Well, let, let's uh, let's give a rundown to our uh, our brothers in arms. Of course, we're talking about the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. So uh, coming at you on Monday, we got. Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf 666. On Tuesday, back in action is uh, Jackie Smith's Into the Necrosphere. Back from vacation after a bit of time off. So it's good to hear mm-hmm. him again. Wednesday is Everything Went Black, which is a uh, variety of different things that I talk about. I have all kinds of variety, you know, many, many different types of guests on there. And um, Thursday, of course, is Necro Thursday. Friday is Break the Apocalypse. Mike Scandato's brother, John, 
is uh, one of the hosts of that. And on Sunday, the Lord's Day, Carl Hikara comes at you with Soul Knox. And, um, you know, we give you Saturday off. That's a good day to go out there and, you know, breathe fresh air, uh, put your toes in the grass, get some vitamin D through the sun, you know, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, what have you been doing, man? Have you been watching anything good? Yeah, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you that I uh, was going to check out a film called Candyland. And, um, yes, you did mention that. Yeah, yeah, it's a movie that uh, I feel like uh, it's a little bit under the radar, but it was actually really good. It's got uh, William Baldwin, isn't it? You know, the, hmm, the one. I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, yeah, he's not. He's not the Baldwin brother who manslaughtered somebody. He's a, uh, as far as I know, he has <laughs> he hasn't taken any any lives at this point, as far as I know. So he's in. That's it. a plus. Yeah, um, Owen Campbell. Now, you might recognize him. If you've seen X, he plays the filmmaker in that, okay? Oh, you're right, okay. He he was also in My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, which we covered a while back. Yes, you liked it. Both of you guys liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, and he plays uh, the vampire, quote-unquote, in that movie, and he's in this one, and... uh. I gotta say, I, I'm a fan of his work, man. He's a, a solid actor. He's um, he's got a lot of presence on on film. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So this nice. movie, uh, it's about um, prostitutes at a truck at a truck stop, and um, he plays a you know a male prostitute, a hustler, if you will. Mm. Uh, Baldwin plays a cop who uh, is in love with him. <laughs> Okay. And, and there's a uh, a serial murderer that infiltrates their group, and um, yeah, it's actually uh, quite a good movie. I really enjoyed it. It's um, it's heavy on characterization, which I dig. There's some good set yeah. pieces. There's a uh, connection to uh, like fundamentalist like Christianity, you know that kind of thing, and. Um, yeah, it just um, I think it takes place in the '90s because I think uh, that that kind of thing isn't as big these days as it was back then. If you uh, if you probably remember like running up on these truck stops and uh, like out in like Utah or Nevada, or yeah, maybe not so much Nevada because it's legal outside of Las Vegas, but um, you know Colorado places like that where there's these wide open spaces and these little. Uh, oasises of service that you'd find in the middle of the desert and then you know there'd be what they used to call lot lizards like lurking yeah yeah but i guess now it's not that big of a thing i haven't seen too much of that uh over the last uh 15 years or so because i i'm assuming because of like the internet and be able to connect that way you know yeah, you're right. Exactly, all that stuff. That I would imagine is it's just much easier now, and it's like the the sketchy element of it has been removed a little bit. It's you know the cars the truck stops go. Yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting. It's like uh, you know just like sketchy little story. Um, you know, it's uh, very well done. The, the, the film, you know, filming is of of it was amazing because it's got that beautiful landscape from the Midwest, the mountains, like that kind of thing. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I saw Skinamarink, which, you know, Mike and I talked a little bit about last week. And, uh, you know, that was uh, an experience, shall we say. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, I've heard very mixed things, actually. I'm not surprised. About it. Yeah. I'm totally not surprised because it's, it's not a movie for everyone. Mm. You know, and I think that if um, I made an analogy last week about if you uh, go to see the band's son play and you yes. are expecting to see Slayer, then you're going to be disappointed, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what Skinamarink is like. All right. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I know it's going to be on Shutter what, in two weeks or so. So I, yeah. I, uh, I'm very curious because, uh, you know, I try not to read too much about something that, that I want to see. don't want my opinion being swayed by, by uh, you know, reviews or tomato meters or any of that. But, uh, you know, I do talk horror quite a bit with people and uh, got a message from someone saying, don't believe the hype. <laughs> like there's so, like okay all right <laughs> yeah well you know and i guess i get what he's saying like people are talking about it like excuse me like it's the uh you know the newest greatest horror movie and um you know sometimes we, when you go into a movie like that with those kind of expectations they can easily be uh you can easily be underwhelmed yeah but you know what though honestly i don't i don't think it's like the greatest you know newest thing but it's interesting you know what I'm trying to say? Mm. It's um, it's definitely worth checking out and experiencing. I would not probably list it as a, like a top ten film or anything like that, but it's a it's an interesting concept. And it, I mean, it's really really pretentious. Like number one. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like All seriously, right. it's like real real pretentious, like artsy fartsy stuff. You know, but you know, I tend to like a lot of things like that, and uh, I I you know enjoyed i have to put air quotes on enjoyed you know what i mean yeah sure and um i i but i, yeah. I found myself thinking about it like there were moments of that movie where days later i was like oh, what the, that, that makes me i think about that there are parts of the film that really made me kind of like you know kind of like a cold chill like run through ran through me in certain parts of the of the movie and um but those are like punctuations of long expanses where really you're you're kind of just observing and waiting for something to happen and it just lulls you into this sense the sinister sense of dread almost mm. almost like kind of like this bored feeling yeah sure i got bored it didn't need to be a 1 hour and 40 minutes honestly sure but then there would there something would happen and you'd be like oh no whoa you know, this is uh, pretty intense, you know. And it, it's telling that you, you, you said something that, uh, you know, days later, you're still thinking about There's moments that you're still thinking about. It's, it's really interesting how, like, you can see something and not be 100. Feel, maybe you feel one way about it, but the more you think about it, your opinion maybe shifts a little bit. The movie we're about to talk about, I had a similar experience. Yeah, yeah where totally. I really felt one way about it, and now... I think I feel differently about it. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and and the thing with like Skinnerink, it's like if these guys make another film and this is like the only thing they they do, then I'd be like, ah, it's garbage. You know what I mean? Uh, I checked out um, The Last of Us, that new show on HBO Max. Yes, 
I saw that too. What do you think? Oh, uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I can't think of any video game adaptation that I've ever seen that wasn't complete dog shit. I, um, uh, nothing comes no, to mind. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, um, I really enjoyed it. At first, I dismissed it because, you know, there, there's been promo for that for like the last, like, what, maybe six months. They've been building up to this. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, really? A video game? But then, like, I started seeing some of the visuals, and I'm like, man, this is, like, really cool. And then, of course, uh, you know, I, I, I looked forward to seeing it, and I was like, man, this is actually really good. You know, hopefully they can keep it up. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I'm not a gamer by any stretch of the imagination, but I do occasionally play a video game, and I, I did play that game whenever it came out, maybe 10 years ago at this point. And uh, I was kind of surprised, you know, I don't really get emotionally invested in, in video games. And I was kind of surprised at the, at, uh, the weight, the emotional weight that, that the game had. Uh, the opening scene from, from the show, the opening, you know, 15, 20 minutes is almost identical to the game. And, and it works. And it was surprisingly like, I was like, oh, this is going to be something different. This is not some shitty cash grab based on you know name recognition this is this looks like it's going to be really good yeah i i love video games but i do not play them because i know that i would just like disappear into like a virtual world you know what i mean like it's yeah in, it's intentional it's intentional that i don't play any games because i just love i back you know back in the day i would I love video games. You know what I mean? I played played tons of video games, but now I just, I got too much to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like uh, I, I've flirted with getting uh, one of those Madden games, you know, football for a uh, place. But I know that would be my downfall. <laughs> if I got that, that would just be all, it would just consume me. I know that. So, so I, I put it off for that specific reason. Yeah. I have a, a, a steam account and, um, like I, I played some of the Lovecraft games, like uh, Call of Cthulhu and things like that, and uh, and I'm like, man, this is I'm like really getting sucked into this, and I'm like, I I need to like have some discipline here, otherwise I'm never going to get anything done, you know? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it on this podcast before. My girlfriend was playing the game, and I got sucked into watching her play. It was that game Quarry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was just really uh, it took me by surprise how good it was, how cinematic it was, and very nailed like the tone of like yeah, an 80s type of horror movie and uh so yeah it's really easy to get sucked into that um that said i think the show is great i uh, i've been seeing a lot of complaints about it <laughs> of course online, but i'm not really sh- yeah of course uh, like people talking about how it's disrespectful to the source material and oh, things like God. that and yeah, man, like I, I say this all the time. An adaptation is just that. It is someone else's interpretation of something that already exists. It's not your interpretation. It's theirs. And, you know, if you want the exact same story you got in playing the game, you just play the fucking game again. I, I would I, I prefer when they expand on it and change it you know what I mean that's why I like let the right one in so much the uh, series it's like not it's not the book it's a totally different story but it's taking elements from it and making its own thing yeah same with um interview with the vampire you know it takes the the characters the overall kind of plot but changes so much but still tonally I think 
I think I never read it, but it stays true to the source material. Yeah, my uh, I need to check that out because my my friend Jade uh, actually recommended that to me too. Um, she's like a big vampire fan, and uh, she was telling me about it. And I was like, "You're you're like uh, one of the five people that told me about this." And uh, I, that's the only Anne Rice book I read. Um, the novels, I'm not a. I, I really wish I liked Anne Rice, but I'm not really a fan, mm. honestly. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I, I'm right there with you. It's just, it's just not for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I couldn't comment whether she's a good writer or not, but it doesn't, doesn't work for me. Yeah. Speaking um, of uh, writing, I just want to interject this one thing here. Um, I read the, uh, the new Adam Neville short story, uh, Rise Up Together in the Close to Midnight uh, collection. And uh, very good. But I have to say, the last three things that are read by Neville, this this uh, short story, The Vessel, and Cunning Folk, it's like, this dude's like afraid of old people, man. It's like all, all three of those those pieces have to do with evil, like elderly, man. It's really, really funny. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I love it when you start to pick on, pick apart, or uh, or notice, I should say, themes in, in, a, in a writer's work. Uh, like that, you know, like, uh, like, like when I first started reading Thomas Agati, um, there seemed to be like the first three stories I read by him were about like rogue artists and things like that. And like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Like, uh, I wonder how he really feels about the, the, the art community. It seems like he's had some negative experiences, uh, in, in that regard. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, ah. and, um, I actually, uh, Neville's recent story I mean, I, I don't know how long ago we wrote this, but uh, Rise Up Together has a bit of a Ligotti kind of vibe to it. You know what I mean? It's like some weird... Really? Yeah, it's like a weird town by the seaside where um, things are just like off. You know what I mean? And then there's like this kind of inavoidable, inevitable horror that is uh, kind of lurking in the periphery of this whole thing. You know, similar to like, there's like a, that's the thing with like a lot of Ligotti's stories. There's like this inevitability of of th- that. There's this vibe of inevitability in his stories. You know what I mean? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, what what, what I, else do you check out, uh, Jeff? I well, no, it's funny. I, I mentioned that because uh, I've been falling asleep to uh, YouTube, <laughs> and uh, me too. And, actually, uh, I've usually been. Yeah, I I, I put on uh, a Ligotti story last night. Uh, sort of a book on tape, book on tape on YouTube. Um, and it was uh, Dreams of a Mannequin, well, oh, yeah. one yeah. of his better stories. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so vivid, you can really picture it in your head. And it's kind of perfect to fall asleep to you if you just want to have a really oh, bad, <laughs> bizarre night of dreams. <laughs> uh, which I find kind of fun and interesting uh, when I wake up and I'm like, oh, God, oh, glad that's over. Glad that wasn't real. Um, I did also want to mention, um, you know, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts like our own because, again, I don't like to have my, uh, you know, I don't want it to be too much like someone, something else or have make someone else's point. But I do love lists. I love top 10 lists of the year. I always have. Um, so I listen to a podcast. Uh, not sure I want to say their name, you know, uh, <laughs> and uh, their number one movie for one guy. Dash cam. <laughs> oh my god, man! Really? <laughs> yeah. What a bummer, um, man. 
<laughs> yeah, and it made the uh, one of one of the other hosts uh, top five, and uh, that I just found that uh, baffling. Like, I uh, there are people out there who enjoyed the movie, and I uh, I don't see how. I mean, it's literally the worst movie I've ever seen. Well, you know how I feel about it, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, Annie, Annie, if you're listening, though, man, holla, holla at me, though. That's all I got to say, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know even know why I wanted to bring that up. It's, <laughs> I, it's like, I want to get your take. I'm like, the hash cam is someone's favorite movie, 2022. Uh, that That is a thing that exists. Actually, uh, random, like we were talking about Legati. I just want to talk about Cadabra Records. Are you familiar with that label? Uh, say again, what's the name? Cadabra Records. I don't think I am. Man, I just it's um they 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 sell records, obviously. They have books and uh it's all yeah. like weird fiction stuff. And I I just received Call of Cthulhu vinyl reading with like a score mm. behind it. And then I was looking, I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, I really I listened to it. The packaging's great. It's on like, you know, heavy vinyl and it just the whole thing is awesome. So I ordered uh, Thomas Ligotti, The Small People, okay? That's uh, mm. being read. And then I was looking through the books, right? And I discovered that a friend of ours actually illustrated one of uh, one of the books. Really? Yeah. H.P. Lovecraft, At the Mountains of Madness, illustrated by Joe Kineberger. Joe Kineberger. You remember Joe? Joe FSU, you know? He, the bass, he played bass in World Is My Fuse. Oh, yeah. No shit. Yep. Wow. I do. If you never mentioned him, I'd probably go the rest of my life forgetting he existed. Well, well, Joe, Joe had done some uh, artwork for tombs too uh, a few years ago, and um, I, you know, I'd, I'd see him here and there, you know, in Boston when I was up there, and uh, I knew that he does like incredible artwork, man, and he's like way yeah. into like weird fiction and folk horror and like all that stuff, and. Uh, so I was going through their catalog because I, I had actually ordered. Uh, there's that Legati like poetry book that they're releasing too, right? Right. So I was scrolling through and I saw, oh, this is really cool. H.P. Lovecraft illustrated by Joe Joe Kineberger. So I, I ordered that too. So I got those two things coming. Oh wow! Yeah. That's uh, wow. That's really uh, interesting. I never. I mean, I remember him being a, a, a cool guy. I, I don't think we ever talked horror or anything like that. I was unaware he was into that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, just just because of like you know I was living with all those guys, like I talked to him a lot, and uh, I mean, I, I said he Joe FSU, but he was never in, in FSU. <laughs> I don't know why. I, right. Yeah. But I don't, no, no, I don't I know why he's not. He wasn't a gangster. You know what I mean? I didn't want to. I didn't. I, I just want to correct that. You know what I mean? In case anyone yeah. knows Joe out there, you know what I mean. But he was, you know, peripheral. He was friends with a lot of those guys, as you know, you and I both were too, <laughs> at, at one point. Right. Um, uh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. I, I got to check that out then. Yeah. I, anyone out there too, man? If you're into that kind of stuff and you like records and books and all that, go check it out. It's great. Cadabra Records. Now, does he put like a Boston hardcore spin on the artwork? Maybe like, you know, one of the old ancient ones is wearing like a straight edge hat or something no. like that. No, no, no. It, yeah. it, you should check out his work, man. You can check him out on I Instagram. Will. He's um he's got an Instagram and it's uh 
you know, it's all all of his work. And it's like very he has a style too, which is awesome. It's not just pure illustration. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to see someone from, uh, you know, our little world there go on and do something cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So right. uh, anything else or you want to get into uh, the menu? Let me look at my notes here. Dash cam, last of us. Uh, no, I think <laughs> that covers cam. it. <laughs> Let's see. Dash cam, Annie Hardy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Let's start a GoFundMe to make dash cam too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Annie, if you're ever out in Jersey, we'll get a slice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> or if you find yourself in Austin, barbecue on me. <laughs> Right on. Man. All right, man. So uh, the menu. That's yes. uh, that actually like figured pretty highly on a lot of people's 2022 uh, lists. You a lot I mean? of people, yeah. um, even uh, non-horror fans, a um, lot of uh, talk about this movie. Yeah. It's 106 minutes long. It was released on September 10th, 2022, uh, I guess in the festival run. And then in the U.S., uh, November 2022, uh, directed by Mark Mylod, who did a lot of like UK TV. Uh, he did uh, Succession and Shameless in the US. I believe they were both uh, Netflix or um, cable TV HBO. type stuff. HBO. Yeah. 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 Pretty, uh, pretty banging cast, I think. Mm. If you think about oh. it, we have uh, the return of uh, Rape Fines. I haven't seen him in in anything for a long time yeah been a while for me too yeah as uh chef slovic slowick um anya taylor joy who's like kind of like up and coming right now we see her around a lot plays margo yes. margo who is actually in truth aaron yep nicholas holt as tyler her douchebag boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> Accurate description. Yeah. Hong Chow as uh, the chef's uh, right-hand person, as Elsa. And uh, the great John Leguizamo as the movie star. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, there's the some... great John Leguizamo. Yeah. I like him a lot. Me too, man. I, I think he's I, – I love seeing him in movies. And, and he's one of those, like, um, like kind of like workman-like uh, actors. Like, he's – in a lot of stuff, man, and not all of it. Not all of the films are great, but I always enjoy watching him act. Oh, totally! And he brings a lot to this role. Uh, of all the diners, I think he has the uh, you know outside of uh, the our main character, he has the most. Um, he has the best part, I think, or he brought the most to it. Yeah, and and I just like him because he's like from a certain era. Um, you know, he's like a New York guy. Uh, you know, I feel like he and I are probably close to the same age, maybe. And like, I think in the '90s and '80s, like I don't know, I was I was like people that were around during that period of time, and I associate them with certain things that went on during the '90s. And uh, Leguizamo is like one of those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was in. I mean, he was great in Carlito's way too. Oh yeah, totally. Benny Bronco yeah. from the Bronx. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, my champagne's not good enough for you. <laughs> yeah, he's he's fantastic. Also, just a quick note about the cast. Um, 
Nicholas Holt, almost Batman. That would have been a huge mistake, I think. You think so? Yeah. What yeah, else has he been in, cause... man? I, I, um, I hated him in this, so maybe that's coloring my opinion about him. I don't know. I think you're supposed to hate him. Uh, right. He was in the, the newer X-Men movies. I think he was Cyclops. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. And he's, he's on some show I don't want. I think I believe he's British. Probably. Everyone's British these days because there's like um, British and Australian actors are always playing like these kind of like tough guy like action roles in the States, you know? That's true, actually. I never, never really uh, thought about that. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, it came down to him and Robert Pattinson for, for Batman. I believe those were like the, the top two choices. And uh, watching this, I was kind of curious of what he would bring to Batman. Um, I, I think ultimately they made the right. I mean, Robert Pattinson is a, a gift from God. He's, he's incredible. I had no idea that Pattinson was British. I think I mentioned that before. <laughs> it was funny, though, know, right? Yeah, has he ever played a British guy? <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think. Well, there was that that movie, uh, Good Time, oh, where he plays so this good. dude from Queens. Yeah, and I, I kind of thought Pattinson might have been like you know some like tri-state area guy, to be honest. You know, like Brooklyn guy or you know Jersey or something like that. You know, he just nails it so well, and it, it it's very easy to go over the top. With, with accents as you've seen in any movie about Boston there's always one actor just really just oof, just going hot on that accent you know yeah uh, but everything he does he feels uh, authentic and he, he nails it alright so what are we going to say about the menu okay the setting is that uh, Ray Fiennes his character the chef he's like this uh, top of the food chain a bit world weary, I might add, uh, chef who has this island, mm-hmm. and there's a very, very exclusive clientele, and it's a fully immersive experience where you take a boat to the island. You know, you probably the price tag on this thing is way beyond you know our means to attend something like this. You know. Yeah, I think they mentioned it's over a thousand dollars a plate. I, I'm not sure I should have written, <laughs> written that down. Oh, that's it. But yeah, <laughs> I, th- I I could. Yeah, you know what? Because I, I think I remember thinking like that. That's all things considered, it's really not that expensive. I mean, it's too rich for my blood. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I would. Well, actually, it's interesting that we bring that up because that is that is important to the to the um the plot really. Okay. Yeah. So. There's a uh, an assemble assemblage of uh, archety- archetypical douchebags that show up for this thing. You know, we got um, Tyler, which is like the greatest name for a guy like this. I, <laughs> I wrote that down. I wrote the same thing down. <laughs> so he's like one of these guys. Like I would call him like the ultimate fanboy. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he's um knows everything about. The chef, uh, he probably has never even boiled an egg in his life, but he knows all about the uh, <clears throat> the alchemy of cooking. You know what I mean? Like he has all this gear in his kitchen that you know the special you know fucking mechanism that they use to make 
all this stuff, but he's probably never he even admitted that not knowing how to use a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, Mike, I feel like you and I know a lot of people close to this guy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, like people who are huge music fans, they own all this vintage gear and they have no fucking idea how to play. Yep. I was going to bring that They've up, never actually. Been to... Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, guys who have like are into vintage gear, right? And in my experience, like vintage gear is like shit that doesn't work half of the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah it, it, exactly i mean some of that stuff's cool to have for sure man but if you're just like a collector it's kind of like like jerking off really you know it's not like uh you know it's it's self-satisfying i guess in a way but there's no real point to it unless you know how to use all this stuff you know yeah absolutely and i found tyler not not like relatable but the most believable character like is like someone who really exists and is this obnoxious i think everyone else is a little bit character, car- caricature, but well, this is like right on the nose. I'm I'm gonna not name somebody, but you know this person, and I'm not gonna use it any names because I don't want to offend anyone. Because some other people listening might know him. <laughs> that we spent a lot of time together, the three of us, back in the, like you know when when ISIS was around, and. Mm-hmm. The band. Kind of fits, uh, yeah, the band ISIS. <laughs> 100% fits the bill on both ca- in both counts, the food stuff and the gear stuff. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking okay. about. Okay, and we'll <laughs> leave it at that. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it at that, okay? So, yeah, yeah that's I, I, I definitely follow you on relating to Tyler, not personally as being like that, but, but knowing someone exactly like that, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's an exclusive thing. They're on an island, and this is some of the the, the most interesting uh, scenes in the movie. Is the beginning where they're on an island. They're taking you around, and I got like a serious folk horror vibe from the first few minutes of this when uh, on the island. Um, you know, they take them to the smokehouse uh, where they keep all the they smoke the meats. And it has, it kind of reminded me of the, uh, you know, the sacrifice tent in Midsummer. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I, I, that's, you know, I got to be honest with you. Um, I kind of thought it was going a little bit in that direction too, that there was some sort of, uh, you know, arcane energy on the island that yep. might be connecting into some ancient, you know, aura or whatever that is driving this plot forward, but that, that kind of is not really where this goes though, you know? No. And, uh, I mean, maybe that's why I was initially very disappointed with it. Cause I thought that's where it was going to go. You see like they're, they, everyone, the chef, all of his, uh, uh, employed, they all live on the Island. You see like where the sous chefs and the, and everyone sleeps. It's sort of this cult like bunker. Yeah. And you got Chef, who has his own quarter. You see, like, there's this symbol uh, on the door to his quarters. And uh, it gave me, like, uh, you know, the Wicker Man vibes, actually. Sure. Where you have, like, Lord Summer Isle, who's holed up in his own little area away from, you know, uh, everyone else in this cult. Um, you know, I, I really had no interest in seeing this movie last year because I, I just... Um... 
like I saw the trailer and it didn't interest me. So I didn't read up about what this was. But then when I started watching it, I was like, oh, man, maybe this is like some cult where they're ultimately sacrificing to some God or whatever, you know, and, and that was kind of like the feeling I got as well, for sure. Yeah, and I, much like the, I mean, I don't really like to watch a lot of trailers. I don't I feel they give way too much away. I did see the trailer for this, but it doesn't really tip its 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 hat in, in where it's going to go. So, you know, I saw like yeah, the culty island type stuff. I was like, oh, I hope this is what it is because I love shit like that. And uh, I also was like, oh god, you know, a horror movie about food's got to be about cannibalism. You know, I'm sure that's going to play into it. There is a moment where you know, the nature D is, is talking about the, the meat smoking process. And, uh, you know, if you eat it a few days later, it'll, it, it could kill you. I was like, oh, that's somehow going to play into the plot of this. But uh, really, really doesn't. No, not at all, <laughs> which is kind of a bummer, oh. I thought. But uh, yeah. uh, so Tyler's date. I, all right. How, now, what he had someone <laughs> else on the guest list with him. And I guess they broke up or whatever. And. So Margot, Anya Taylor-Joy, is not the person whose name is on the list. And uh, what I gleaned from this is that she was actually like a high-end prostitute that he hired to attend this thing with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what she is. And, you know, side note, it's interesting. In a movie like this was made 20, 30 years ago, a prostitute would be right in there with the other guests as far as someone who's undesirable. And it's interesting now, like the, the sex worker is the the hero. Well, not hero of the movie, but you know what I mean. The one you're, the, the, the every person, the one you're supposed to identify with. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I like that the movie doesn't pass any sort of judgment on, on, on what she does. Yeah, that that's uh, a very uh, other characters. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh well, yeah. It's a very modern take. You know what I mean on that, which I thought yeah, was cool. Because sure. then when you got a group of like complete douchey bro, like uh, <laughs> financial guys that show up, that immediately you want to destroy them. You know what I mean? Like you, you just <laughs> have like you want to like follow these guys in a back alley and like cut them up with a with a hatchet or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, again, they're a little caricature-y, but, uh, you know, it hits the the right note for sure. Yeah. And then we have um, the press, you know, the pretentious uh, food press couple. I mean, they're not a couple, but they attend together. They're colleagues, right? Yeah, he's like her editor, lackey, something like that. You know, he, he agrees with every word that comes out of her mouth. He's just a sniveling piece of shit. Yeah. And then uh, John Leguizamo's character, the movie star, attends with um, another. I'm I'm assuming she was an actress as well, but maybe not that hadn't reached the heights career wise that he did. But you also get the feeling that Leguizamo's character is on the descent of his career. Like he maybe he had like a couple of hits. Now he's kind of like on the Michael Madsen like you know path. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like uh, just taking parts for money, kind of like lost the his his love for the craft. He he likes he enjoys being you know noticed, and you see at the beginning he's a like, oh, chef's a close personal friend of mine, which uh, you know isn't true. Uh, yeah. Another thing, Mike, you and I can relate to is 
How many guys like that do you know? Oh, dude, I can't even count people <laughs> I know that are like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm real tight. We're real tight. You know, meanwhile, the guy doesn't, doesn't even know the person at all. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and again, a lesser actor in this role might not not have uh, worked as well. But John Leguizamo is fantastic. And interestingly enough, I read uh, he based his uh, character on Steven Seagal. Wow, really? Uh, yeah, because apparently, by all accounts, Steven Seagal is a huge piece of shit. Damn. Sensei Seagal. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I didn't get Seagal vibes from it, but uh, I, I, I just thought that was that was really interesting. And, you know, in that world, like, people don't really talk shit about each other. Like, like, like people in our, uh, you know, mind of the <laughs> yeah. arts do. Like, it's perfectly fine to slam someone. Uh, but, you know, actors don't usually go that route. You know, they take the high road. But John Leguizamo even said, he's like, the fucking Steve Scott's biggest piece of shit I've ever met. <laughs> that makes me like him even more. Actually, out of, yeah, all, the, yeah, totally. out of all the people that talk the most shit in, within the music world are, are producers and engineers. You ever, you ever notice that? Oh, God, yeah. yeah <laughs> they're they're even worse than wonder. They're even worse <laughs> than people in bands, actually. The guys who record music. Oh, totally. They'll, they'll they'll be telling you this guy can't play this this fucking, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. Oh, a absolutely. Uh, uh, not to say I've had any bad relationships with anyone uh, I've worked with, but I, you know, I have talked to a lot of people, you know, producers and things like that. And I, I think you're totally right there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's mostly people that I haven't worked with that are telling me about their studio that talk the most shit. You know what I mean? Totally, yeah, yeah. Obviously, ISIS wouldn't have made four records with, with Matt Baylor's if we thought he was a, you know, shithead, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, so it's mostly people I haven't worked with. Yeah, but they're telling you about how sick their uh, their board is or their, you know, they have a dis specially designed fucking drum room or, you know, something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and again, they're, they're all Tyler's. They have all this amazing gear, this <laughs> best room, and then you hear what they do, and it's just fucking garbage. We, we know we know someone like that for sure you know yeah who uh thinks of himself <laughs> as some uber uber producer who uh you know can't record a fucking album to save his life but 100 percent. yeah yeah so that that's pretty much the setting of this thing and um you know so they're they're assembled at this these tables and uh ray finds now ray finds his character like i said he's a bit world weary you know, he's a guy who's been around forever and has risen to these heights in his career, yet is disillusioned with maybe the pretense surrounding the food world, you know, and, and uh, probably has, uh, you know, it comes out as like not in love with the art so much and has disdain for the press, you know, people who write about food who potentially can ruin people's careers and and uh you know that kind of thing sure uh yeah i i, I read it that this guy is sort of hates what uh being a chef has become uh hates and he hates that he played a big part in this uh you know food as like content as um <laughs> As you know, just this you know exclusive pretentious experience. You know, he really seems to have lost his way, and is just 
completely miserable in his own in his art and his craft that he's worked his whole life for and now he hates it and i gotta say man ray fines really sells this performance like this, this guy it, it's so believable as this uh as this this chef um one thing i wrote down is kind of interesting no tattoos on on, on chef slowick yeah, that's like a big thing with uh with with people in the food industry is be like how like neck and hand tattoos and being all inked up and everything. Yeah, which initially I thought uh, I was like, oh, you know, I I think that was intentional because this movie has a very close attention to detail when it comes to the world of that sort of world. Uh, like the food looks like something you would see in a place like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know anything about that kind of food really myself. Like I'm not I don't pretend to be like a, a foodie in that way. Uh but yeah, from what I I've never experienced a meal like that before where you get like this fucking you know, thimble sized uh serving of like you know, fucking quail eggs or whatever the hell they're eating, you know? Yeah, and I haven't either. I've done, you know, some like you know, fine dining that pretends it's not pretentious, but it is, you know. Um for sure. Uh, but they got those details right. I think that it was right that someone Ray finds his age maybe comes from a different era of culinary arts. You know, the guys who were like probably in their 50s, you know, they're not covered head to toe and like hatchet tattoos or knife tattoos or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was a, a, a nice touch. What are your feelings on that? You know, because like I know, uh, I don't know, maybe 20, 15, maybe 15 years ago, I felt like uh, I'm thinking of a very specific place in Brooklyn where suddenly it was like this really hip thing to be like a butcher. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. Meanwhile, there've been like these old Italian dudes have been cutting up cows in that same area for like the last hundred years. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, Oh yeah, man. You know, like, uh, I got this like, uh, you know, farm, uh, you know, whatever farm direct, uh, you know, operation over here and, and everyone's got like neck tattoos and like, you know, like these beards and stuff like that, you know, and like you said, like hatchets and knives tattooed, things like that. What, what do you think yeah. of that vibe? What's your opinion? It's on that? strange. It's, it, it's strange to me that, uh, that, that just became like the hip cool thing and like this sort of rock star uh look started more like uh you know they, they started adapting that sort of thing like the heavily tattooed thing and you know i'm a rebel i'm an artist um hey i mean teach their own but i, I just always find it a little little odd i, I don't know it, it feeds into my thought about how people ruin things. You know what I mean? Like, I do believe, like, I, I'm a dilettante when it comes to, like, being a foodie. Like, I, I don't consider myself, like, a foodie. I like food. I like, you know, I like eating healthy. Uh, maybe that's what I put over the actual art of, of food. You know, I, I always gravitate towards, like, you know, certain types of things to eat that, that supplement my lifestyle. You know what I mean? But, uh... You know, I, I, I think that, yeah, food is art, but similar to music and everything else in film, you, you don't have to be like a cunt about it. You know what I'm trying to say? Which is like <laughs> how, how I feel like a lot, having lived in, in the you know, Greenpoint, Williamsburg area in Brooklyn for, you know, decades 
and seeing how things slowly changed over the years, that was like, I'm like, oh, one of these guys. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a fucking chef. But like, you know, we, we party like really hard. We stay up all night, you know, and then we cut meat. And you know, I don't know. It's just fucking annoying, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, no, I, I I get you there, and I like how like Tyler is like the embodiment of the criticisms of that world. Yeah, of of that of that like mindset. Yeah, because he's um, like enamored with the whole thing. Yet I found him fascinating because it's like he's enamored with everything, all the trappings of it, but he's not engaged in the activity at all. You know. And, and oh, I, yeah. I just find that fascinating with people and the type of person who does that. I mean, you know, I mean, you and I, we play music, but we were fans and we still are. You know, we still listen to music a lot. I mean, I as a kid, when I listen to, you know, bands play, I'm like, oh, I want to learn how to play guitar. It's like I feel compelled to try my hand at it. And Tyler just is like comfortable just being a spectator and having because he has means uh, a way of surrounding himself with these trappings. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I think he is by far and away the most interesting character in this movie and easily the most despicable and unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, um, uh, you know, and that gets exposed too, you know, later on. Oh, yeah. I mean, entitlement is a big theme of this movie. And Tyler is walking entitlement. He thinks because, you know, I'm in the know. I know what's up. I have one of these fucking stupid machines that makes, you know, uh, snow, food, whatever. <laughs> you know, he explicitly says no photos and he's just snapping, snapping away. Um, yeah, he's just like an entitled piece of shit. And he was like really, really tickled the fact, by the fact that the chef knew his, called him by his name. Mm, yeah, yeah. sous chef. Yeah, yeah. And they make it a point to mention he did not ask what the sous chef's name was. Right. Exactly. Um, again, something you and I can relate to. You know, these these guys. You know, they'll be hanging out, and you know, if you're not, uh, you know, the fucking singer or like the uh, front man of a band, or you're not like a you know cool guy in the band. Like, say he's talking to like the tech or something like that. You know, he's not as interested. You don't matter to him. Yeah. Actually, really funny. When we we did uh, a tour, a bunch of tour dates with the creator, like along the south southwest, uh, a few years ago, and their merch lady thought I worked at the venue. <laughs> <laughs> so that I'm takes sorry. that that vibe to an extreme, man. And it was like the third or fourth day into this run that we were doing with them. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I mean, it was like a short, like maybe like a week because I got all the bands on the that little leg. We're all playing at Ozfest. And it was like so I, it was like three or four days into this thing. And she's like, hey, uh, can you get me a, a, you know, a case of waters? And I was just like, what? Ask the fucking guy who works here, lady. You know, and I was like, <laughs> dude. Wasn't that one of our running jokes on the ISIS Tombs tour? Uh, like, <laughs> we didn't know who you were. Yeah, like, we thought you were part of the crew. Yeah. Well, that that was also based in in fact. Because, you know, like, um, I think, yeah, probably the tour right before that, that when we that, the, that we had that running joke, we were out with um, Wolves in the Throne Room and Pelican. And uh, there was this band, Dredge, that was on one of those, uh, that, like, three or oh. four of those shows. Yeah, I remember them. I never heard of them until that day that we played with them, right? 
And uh, mm. they were definitely not the kind of band I like. I thought, like, it was, they misspelled it, I guess, I think, on the um, on the itinerary. So it was D-R-E-D-G, not with an mm. E. So I was like, oh, maybe this is, like, some, like, Eastern European, like, black metal, like, kind of bands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But yeah. they're just, like, basically a Deftones, like, ripoff, right? Would you say that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know. So sure, it's been a long time. Yeah. Hard to, hard to recall, but I, I'll take your word for it. So I remember, like, uh, you know, I'm trying to be a friendly guy. You know, I try to get along with everyone. And I just was like, uh, you know, a couple of days into the, that run, um, I see the drummer, like, later on, you know, like, I think, you know, back in the green room. And uh, he was a really good drummer, by the way. And, uh, I was like, oh, hey, you know, thanks, thanks. Uh, I, I didn't say thanks. I was like, good set, man. You know, you know, kind of mm. half bullshitting them because I thought they sucked musically. But yeah, he's like, oh yeah, thanks for coming out, man. <laughs> <laughs> now keep in mind, they were going on before us too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. that's fucking amazing, dude. Yeah, shit like that happens all the time. Someone thought I was Mike Patton's bodyguard once. I think. Bodyguard, wow. Yeah, because I was standing next to him, and the guy asked me, he's like, do you think I could talk to Mr. Patton? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Go ahead. <laughs> I just played, asshole. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that that's the kind of vibe we got in this thing where, where this guy, Tyler, doesn't care about anybody but himself. It's all supporting his ego. Oh, yeah, the sous chef, like, he knows my name. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, he's just a punk. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, and um, I love, like, it's sort of a slow turn of the screw, how the events unfold. Like, uh, you have Ray Fine's chef uh, introducing every course. And I found this stuff, yeah, like, it's a very authentic. Like, this seems believable. Like, the breadless bread plate. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like just some pretentious fuckery that I'm sure – uh, existed. I'm sure the writers probably took a lot of this from from reality. Um, and it was like this kind of like political statement too, in a lot of ways, because it was like you know everyone here is of has the means to be here, and bread has typically been this kind of like peasant food, so you <laughs> shall have no bread with this meal, you know. And I was like, oh, you know, if I'm going to pay like a couple of G's to sit down and eat this uh, stuff, I want some bread. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and the tech guys again entitlement. Uh, like we're investors, you know, we basically own this place. So can we get some fucking bread? Yeah, you know. Whereas Tyler's just eating it up. He loves the fact that he, I mean, Tyler is sort of like the joke is on him, but he doesn't get that. You know, he's just eating up this like you know like I know little dollops of olive oil and saying, oh, I want to be embalmed. This is so beautiful. He doesn't seem to get that chef is is making fun of him. Yeah, and that's that's essentially what it is. It's like <clears throat> we learn a little bit about everyone that's there, okay? And yeah, uh, and there is a uh, a climax to this film where everyone kind of gets their just desserts, you know. Mm. One of the things that steps it up though, where you, this is where you realize that. Uh, you know what this isn't fun and games is the the segment with the sous chef yes yeah um 
Yeah, his sort of introductions to the dishes get a little bit more outlandish as, as they go along. Uh, I love he tells that Taco Tuesday story and people were like, what the fuck was that? And to top that, yeah, he brings out the sous chef and basically like uh, – he doesn't quite belittle. I'm not sure how I put it. Like you're good, but you'll never be great. Dude, and, it, 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 it was fucking heavy, I thought, because you, he takes like this guy who – obviously aspires to be this top of the line chef like he wants to be the man like he is dedicated himself to his craft you know and he's you know working underneath uh chef and giving everything it made sacrifices probably he's you know no relationship he lives in this fucking island in a bungalow with all these motherfuckers out there and it's like you know he's <laughs> he's like Given up his entire life, and Ray finds his character is like, "Yes, you have given everything, but you will never be good enough. You will never be me, even though you've been trying to be me." Right. And, um, and the guy fucking shoots himself in the head. He just ends it. He's like, "What's the point, you know, of going on if like I can never reach what I've decided was my uh, the objective of my whole life?" You know. Yeah, and it's. You said a very heavy scene, and I love the reactions to this from from the uh, the other diners. Uh, some people think it's theater. Some people are horrified. You know, Tyler just just keeps eating like <laughs> nothing's <laughs> happening. Yeah. You know, sees drunk like Chef Slovak's drunk or, or Slovak's drunk mom, <laughs> sort of indifferent. Oh, that's right. I um, forgot about the mother. Yeah. <laughs> she's also attending yeah, this uh, soiree. It's, it's easy to forget because she's just sort of in the corner hammered the whole movie. And you know, <laughs> like, I found that to be like a real funny touch. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is where like things really ramp up, sort of a, a little bit of a slow burn. And then things sort of go to 10 really uh, after that buildup. They just really scene after scene is just ramps it up. Um, yeah, this this is when everyone starts to realize that they're they're basically trapped on this island in this room, and they're past the point of no return. Yeah, and this is kind of the beginnings of some of my problems with the movie. Um, tonally, like I, I like this movie never goes full dark, full. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it, it's it's a horror movie it's it's a horror black comedy but it never goes quite as as as, as dark as is uh, i was hoping it would go um yeah i mean i i actually read this as a comedy more than a horror film honestly too you know what i mean and uh because it doesn't oh, really sure. work as a horror movie but it definitely works as a comedy you know yeah very dark one but uh yeah, so what happened, like, the, you know, uh, the, you have the old guy who, well, for, like, he serves a dish where, with uh, tortillas, and on the tortillas, like, their sort of sins are, are, are printed on the tortillas. Um, you get, like, a, that's your first uh, explanation of why Chef wants these people here. Um you see, uh, you know, because uh, on the tortilla that, that Tyler gets, it's him taking photos of the food that he was told not to take photos of. Uh, 
on the tech bros tortillas. It's all these you know numbers and figures and wire transfers and things like that. Um, and the, the most like the actor, it's like a the title of a movie he is in, which kind of ends up being funny. Like yeah. <laughs> Chef is slighted that he was in a movie he didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> that that I was like. I laughed during that part. I was like, man, I, I get it, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, the old guy is having an, an affair and, uh, you know. With Margot. And, with, yes, well. Well, well it's not really hired... an affair. It's like he hired her for uh, some uh, escort service. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So you start to, learn, like, learn there's almost like a, did you pick up like, maybe like a Deadly Sins sort of vibe to this? at all like um yeah i could see that i mean it wasn't explicitly uh you know deadly sins but yeah there was adultery no one no one murdered anyone there wasn't any kind of like murder uh you know there was um you know no coveting of thy neighbor's wife or anything like that but you know greed right but yeah greed with the tech guys i noticed you know obviously uh uh tyler uh envies the chef and you have like the lazy sort of doesn't care anymore actor, which I guess could kind of be sloth um, lust with the, the, the old man. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah, reading no, I, too I, much. Yeah, but. you're on to something for sure, man. The funny thing about the actor though, is uh chef talks about how on, it was like one of his few days off and he wanted to see his, this film and it was like awful and he holds him <laughs> responsible for it. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted yeah, to expand on that a little bit because uh, I felt the same way about movies too. Sometimes where it's like, all right, I'm setting aside this time to watch this thing, and it turns up being completely disappointing. You know? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, I can relate. I'm not sure I'd want him dead for that, no, but no, no. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 screws are off at this point. He, the uh, Major D cuts off the old man's finger because he threatens to call someone to get them out of here. Um. He gives this big speech about the investor and then drowns him. Yeah. Kind of dark. Um, Well, and here, yeah, go ahead. The, uh, the Tyler scene is like really fucking heavy too, man. You know what I mean? Oh, it's the funniest part of the movie by far too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Tyler, who is this, um, you know, bystander, in the world of cooking, he make he tells him to all right, cook, make something, and it's like this complete horrible, disgusting uh, thing, and he basically humiliates him in front of everybody. And it is such a funny scene, and the chef is just very like sub, be like, ooh, a new dicing technique that we weren't aware of. Yeah, it's like, very oh, condescending. It's yeah, exactly, and. Uh, uh, just watching him throw all this stuff together haphazardly, like the butter spinning around in the pan. And it's really funny. I think it's by far the best scene in the movie. And- yeah, it speaks to like just his overall uh, lack of, uh, of being humble and um, entitlement and, uh, you know, just this uh, ego like that this guy has, you know. Yeah, and in the scene before that, it's also telling, all right, like the, the gloves are off, they know they're fucked. Um, this scene, there's a scene in particular that really bothered me. Chef brings everyone outside. They do, um, you know, he, he he brings up one of his chefs and 
uh, you know, he's like, oh, you know, basically, you know, sexually harassed her and uh, she gets to stab him. And uh, which seems, I mean, sexual harassment in the restaurant industry is definitely worth addressing. But it seemed a little out of character, like they're in this like cult-like environment that. I agree. Um, I totally agree with that because, um, you know, Chef's character, you his whole the whole thing that he has is discipline and this kind of denial of his life denial of the certain needs that he might have had so it was very much out of character that he would have sexually harassed that lady uh well but even like you know, i think the devotion like that they all have to him is like you know even if she didn't want to sleep with him maybe like she she probably would have because he is very much the cult leader that's a good um, point I, I okay i see what you're saying now yeah i got you it seemed i mean it didn't bother me i wasn't like little bullshit but uh and that just seems how like it, it, it that would have gone, uh, but my bigger complaint is the scene right after that. You know, the the course is called Men's Folly, and there's this constant like talk about like this evening has been painstakingly planned. Everything is you know uh, has to go a certain way for this menu to make sense, uh, and then he offers an opportunity for the men to escape. Why? I yeah. did not, for the life of me, understand the point of that scene at all. It doesn't push the narrative forward. It doesn't make sense in his overall planning because, you know, one of the guys could have escaped. And then his his big evening, his masterpiece, is ruined. I agree. So, I, thought, I thought that was um, a set piece that they added to put in the trailer. You know what I mean? Like, this is – those two things that we're talking about right now, I feel like – this movie, maybe the script was kind of put together and some someone had like, okay, we have to add these scenes. You know, we have to add the sexual harassment scene because that's what, yeah, that's what people talk about nowadays. You know what I mean? So that, that was added, you know, not, not to diminish the, you know, the, the weight of that, of sexual harassment, but, you know, we have to put this in here because this is what movies are about these days. And then the men's folly right. stuff was like, pointless really you know it's like it's almost like maybe that was someone had an idea of what this film should have in it and they just added that because it oh yeah let's put a scene where the you know the sous chefs hunt down the men and i'm like wow doesn't really narratively make any sense like you were saying no it made zero sense uh yeah and it it really bothered me uh, I, 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 again, I thought, okay, where is this going? Are they being hunted now and they're going to be part of the next course or, and ultimately it just really didn't go anywhere. And it kind of like, it just spits in the face of chef's plan. And then, you know, towards the end, he's like, all of you, why didn't you ask yourselves why you didn't try harder to escape, but they did. Sure. Uh, so it just, that really baffled me and still does i thought maybe with a second viewing i was like i must have missed something i mean the reality of it is it is like i mean why didn't somebody just walk up to him and punch him in the face and be like let me out of here you know what i mean it's like yeah you know picked up like a fucking knife or something and put it to his neck and be like i'm leaving let me out of this fucking place you know what i'm trying to say i don't know no, I mean, no, totally. everyone's playing by the rules you know and it's not the only scene like that where 
it doesn't narratively make sense. So you get that. Nothing comes of it. All the guys come back. Um, John Leguizamo has a very funny line where she's like, what happened? He's like, where's the sitting? He goes, what happened? He goes, what do you think? I escaped. <laughs> you know? um, and, and then, you know, uh, there's like a little action, like a fight scene, which feels really out of place in this movie between, um, I guess we should mention a big, like chef sees through Margot's ruse right away. He's like, you're not one of them. You're one of us. Well, that I thought that was a very important part of the, of the whole narrative. And that I thought was really interesting because yeah, Margot was hired to be there. So she's in, in uh, chef's mind, since he seems to be uh, omniscient and know everything about everybody. Um, he's like, yeah, you're, you're a service provider like us, you know, we're just the right. help. You know, we're, we're not, we're just here to serve people. And so are you. So it's like, you have to make a decision if you want to be back here with us or, you know, out there with them. However, that doesn't mean that she would have survived had she made that decision to be with them. Cause you know, everyone kind of ended up the same in this movie. Well, yeah, cause that, that is, is his masterpiece. Everyone dies. That's his plan. Yeah. And uh, he's like, you can either die with them or you can die with us. Um, and uh, so he gives her like a task that uh, the maitre d' gets sort of jealous of. And uh, again, this scene kind of like just really took me out of the movie where it's like she, um, uh, you know, is jealous that he asked Margot to uh, go and do this. Gets a powder, wants to get a powder keg. And they have like this like choreographed like fight scene that just feels completely out of place. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it it was like some action that they wanted to add. So I guess like <clears throat> yeah, that's also my my um, criticism of this movie is there's there's obviously set pieces that were inserted into this uh, film just so we can have some action or. But I would have rather yeah. that they stayed in the kind of conceptual realm of this film and expanded more on those themes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I know they need an excuse for Margot to go into the chef's quarters so to find out, like, some of his past. Like, she finds out that he was, like, a line cook at, like, a fast food burger-type joint. And we need that tidbit of information later on. Also, she finds a, a radio... And this is another scene that drove me crazy. She she radios the Coast Guard, and that is a big nothing of a scene because the the Coast Guard isn't the Coast Guard. He's um he's one of the the chefs, one of the sous chefs or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, what was the point of that scene? Yeah, like, it kind of falls it, it apart towards the end for sure. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, it's such a frustrating movie because. The elements for greatness are there. It's all right there. But they take some very strange detours and ultimately for nothing. Okay, like the, the, the men escaping uh, attempt scene adds nothing to the movie. Narratively, it's not really a particularly uh, tense or anything. You really know how it's going to play out. Uh, the whole scene with the fake Coast Guard, uh, you know, maybe he's going to help them, maybe he's going to save them, but he ends up just being, you know, he works for chefs. So, okay, how did they plan that? 
Like this guy was in the in the kitchen, and then he just takes a boat and <laughs> circles back around and pretends that he's a a, a coast. Like it, it was just utterly bizarre. It did did not make sense to me at all. I agree. So at, at the end, oh, I'm sorry. What, what were you going to say? No, no, no. I was going to say you want to talk about the end because I, I had problems with yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I just, uh, I, I would rather not talk about the ending since this is a uh, relatively new film. You know, just kind of, you know, people, I don't want to give up, give out the entire film really. Sure. Uh, I had even, problems yeah, with the even, end. Even though you can see the end coming a mile away too, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's such an interesting build and such a, a, a um, subject worthy of, of, of this sort of uh, satire. It just, in the end, ultimately, it didn't 100% come through. Uh, to me, it didn't quite connect all the dots. It wasn't completely fully realized. But I'll say this. When, when I first saw it, I remember texting you. It was like, I just watched the menu. I, I didn't like it at all. Uh, but I did find myself over the week turning it over in my head and thinking about different aspects uh, and then watching it a second time. I definitely liked it more, but I still found a lot of it frustrating. I um, <clears throat> I was kind of uh, mildly entertained by it. Uh, you know, it doesn't really rate that high for me. And... Um, yeah, I thought there were some interesting things in the film. I thought the acting was great. You know, I, I was really yeah. excited about uh, Ray Fiennes showing up again. Uh, like I said earlier, John Leguizamo is another actor that I like. I think everything was really well done. But <clears throat> similar to you in the beginning, I thought it was going to go in a completely different direction. And it went into a direction that I thought was kind of like, all right, yeah, okay, entitlement, yes, I know, all this stuff. You know, these um, archetypical characters, uh, stereotypes, you know. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I get it. You know what I mean? But, yeah, it was just, to me, it was like, you know, the Emperor's New Clothes, man. You know, it was just nothing new um, to me. And <clears throat> it wasn't particularly good as a horror film. And, uh, you know, it was a decent satirical comedy but it's not something i would revisit you know ever again really you know right yeah like i kind of like yeah like you like i i, I expected one thing didn't get it which which you know is fine but uh it just didn't hold a lot of weight with me in the end uh it, it, it was a case of what could have been is this i feel like again it, it could have been great but Ultimately, all right, so we got to give it a grade. What would you give it? I give it a solid three out of five. Yeah, I'm somewhere between a three and a three and a half. First time I saw it, I was like two, two at best. <laughs> but uh, I liked it. Uh, like I said, it stayed with me in, in parts, but like, it stayed me in a way like, God, like this, this could have been perfect. This could have been one of the best movies of the year, but it just misses the mark. And that's uh, a little, and it just, you know, I was kind of let down, you know, I, I actually had the opposite with you. I, I finished when I finished it, I kind of liked it, 
you know and um mm. as the days went by i liked it less you know what i mean and uh maybe it was because of uh the fact that i love hamburgers and i'll just leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good point yeah. um yeah and uh you know also like, it's, it's kind of funny like Maybe uh, in the character of Tyler, some sort of comment, of, you know, you, you can look at us. I mean, we're guys talking about movies and what we like and don't like about it. But you and I could never fucking, well, maybe not never, but yeah, we couldn't make a movie. Yeah, that's true. You know? Um, yeah, no, I agree. Sure. We're full of shit. Definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I always stress that like, hey, man, I'm just a guy talking to my friend, you know, I mean, no way of a professional critic or well, anything. That, that's like what, that. what I think the difference is, is that we don't real we're just like bullshitting around and like, it doesn't, we're not trying to, you know, uh, ruin anyone's, we're not ruining people's lives by talking about these movies. You know, if I was like a actual critic whose opinion mattered to someone, you know, I'd probably take things a little bit differently, you know? Yeah, for, for, yeah, absolutely. But ultimately, like, uh, interesting movie. Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll go with three. That will be my my final grade. That's the official Worth grade. Seeing. Okay. Yes, official. official. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be on the cover of the Blu-ray. Three stars, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine that. Jeff Kashid, Necromaniacs, three stars. <laughs> I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh, someone make that happen, please. Um, all right. All right. Well, so thanks. I think we got that now. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, you know, definitely check it out. But these are just our, you know, our thoughts on this film. Absolutely, not bad, but disappointing. Yeah. Talk to you guys next week. Take care. Take care, guys. <laughs>